Hi, this is Tony Selznick. And Megan Hunt. And this is the Hollywood Dance Podcast. Today, I'm really excited. We have an incredible guest, Philip Shabib. Hey, everyone. Hey, Philip. Thank you for being here. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to jump right into this conversation. Okay. So when I first emailed Philip and I said, hey, we're doing these podcasts, me and Megan, and we really want you to be a part of it. And you're like, great, I'd love to. So then I asked you, I said, do you have any, any ideas what to talk about? And within like five minutes, you emailed me back and you said, using discomfort as a catalyst for creativity. Mm-hmm. And when I you said that, that, I was like, done. Like, that's exactly. And then you and I have not had one conversation since you sent that email. Yeah. So this is like a fresh conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I have so much to like say about that, but I just want to ask you, what made you suggest that as a as a subject uh honestly i feel like my whole dance career was um an exercise in disappointment management um (laughs) so uh so so a lot of people always ask me like disappointment management (laughs) uh, uh, which which is what a lot of this career is um Uh and i think whenever you ask me okay what would be extremely relevant to dancers nowadays i think the more people that understood that element the the power of discomfort i think um the more people would find their way through the dance world to get to success. I agree, and it's funny because it's a, a, like a parallel conversation with that is a, is rejection, which leads to to success. Because mm-hmm. I I really feel yes. like from my perspective, watching the dance industry, there's so much um, focus on winning, on success, on doing the right thing, on yeah. that we we don't recognize that failure actually can be part mm-hmm. of success. So when yeah. you wrote this, I thought this is a conversation I think that the dance world really needs to hear. Agreed. How do you um, how do you maneuver in your career? Like how do you how do you, how do you handle it when rejection or disappointment comes to you? Like how do you turn that around? Um, so somehow, and I'm not sh- exactly sure how this came about, but I mean, for me, rejection or or I guess disappointment or any kind of prediction error in my life um, has always been um, tied to the idea that there is an algorithm or a view of the world that somehow incorrect and Mm -hmm. this was my opportunity to correct it so like every time I was faced with a realization that I failed at something or I wasn't as good as I thought or I didn't get the opportunity I thought I would um, I just always treat it as like okay this is precisely the moment that I can capitalize off this like elevated consciousness because whenever something wrong happens all of a sudden we're awake I was Uh like if I capitalize off this and change whatever nuanced thing I was wrong about in my brain then I I move forward with a better algorithm towards the next thing. So basically, it was always just an opportunity for me. I was actually, I taught myself somehow to be grateful for those moments. And I think a lot of people that are successful will say the same thing, that somehow they found themselves grateful for every failure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, but that's like a conversation you can say looking back. It's really yeah, hard to know when you're in it. That yeah, you're... And I, but I think, honestly, it is, it is strange, but, um, and a lot of my, I've been studying a lot of psychology um, for the past few years, and a lot of that really helped me because I realized um, when you're grateful for something subconsciously, you open the door for us to find a reason for it. Mm-hmm. So like if something goes wrong and you're grateful for it, immediately subconscious is like, wait, you're grateful for it? Well, I, I better find a reason. So it's working in the background forever to try uh-huh. to f- find a reason why it might be useful. Where the other side, if you say it's just a loss, your brain doesn't work at all to find any use out of it. It just tries to accept and cope with it as a loss, which isn't as helpful. Um, so I think somehow when, um, I guess the right series of mentors had told me the importance of failure, 
um, it just stuck, which is why I think things like this, like this podcast are just important and this topic is important because I think if more people were grateful for the things that went wrong, um, they would end up finding a way to use it and it would turn into strength for them. Um, so then the people that are, it's actually like a great equalizer because then the people who are going through the worst situations are then endowed with the greatest strengths, um, which is an amazing way to equalize like the, the playing field for everyone, to, no matter what their situation is. I love that you mentioned mentors. Mm -hmm. Like this thinking that you're talking about, did your parents teach you this or did like I, I think there was small and it's it's just like anything. I think there's small bits and pieces from everyone um that I came across in my life. Um I had learned certain things, um, like certain empowering things from my parents, but then I've also learned from just different people along the way that I've met. Um I got into this business <clears throat> fairly young and extremely naive. So there was several people along the way that had to um, kind of carve out things. That, and, and honestly, I'm really glad for their brutal honesty. Most of the people in my life that I consider mentors were people that were really harsh with me. Uh, and I say harsh, but they were just willing to call out something um, that I would do that wasn't helpful in the world. And um, that's you another need, thing. Yeah, you need that. And it's funny because a lot of people tend to call those people toxic. Yeah. Uh, when in reality, they're the most important people in your life. The people that dissent from you and disagree with you are the people you should pay the most attention to because you have to figure out what about their world or the way they're seeing the world is different from yours and why is it different and why is it working for them um, where yours might be not be mm -hmm. working for you. And those, uh, honestly, every mentor has been like really like cutthroat and be like, why are you doing this? And it forced me to be uncomfortable and look at myself and be like, you're right. They're, I've just been doing this because this is what I've been doing for a long time. And I had no idea that that was holding me back. Yeah. Um, so well, yeah. it's interesting too, because like everything you're saying is all about just like this mental shift that I think a lot of people need to do. And it's how you look at everything and just having more of this like positive outlook or how can you learn from all these experiences. And I think just even by putting that out into the universe, I think you're going to receive mm -hmm. so much, like so many more greater things in life than versus like looking at it from a negative standpoint I yeah, guess, yeah. seems like a lot of yeah it's just eyes open to me I mean a lot of people just see negative circumstances as like okay that is a door that's closed but in actuality the door just opened for you because it's now you have such like a strong I mean, that's a but that's a very evolved way of look at a situation though I think oh, it's incredible sure. what you're saying yeah but I mean it's just it's really just feedback because at the end of the day all we need is feedback mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad every piece of feedback is is a tool like it's an actual like it's like a brand new iPhone. Like when you find out you just failed at something, you have a tool you didn't have before. And it is, it does feel like that would be impossible to look at in the moment. But in reality, like once you understand feedback, just feedback is good. I want to just go back to one thing you said. Do you choose your mentors or how, like, tell me how the mentors that you've had come into your life. Um, okay. So I, I don't, uh, by any means, I think I just, I choose my more immediate goals and then through pursuing those goals, I happen to run into uh, certain people that are really helpful, which I, I think that's how most people do it. I, I've never really had to gotten the opportunity to choose my mentors, which is probably better. I think the ones that I needed came to me. Uh -huh. um, I remember when I first started teaching, I was in Czech Republic, and um, an older gentleman, um, Archie Burnett, uh, just felt like taking me under his wing. I was one of the youngest people at the camp. There was all like people who are like legends and in the the dance. Uh, hip-hop underground dance industry and um, and he was a voguer from New York and he was in the original house of ninja and he just 
took me under his wing. He started to explain things that I would never fully understand, especially life things. It was, um, he was like my life coach and dance history, um, I guess, educator. And, um, and yeah, and he came into my life and really helped me understand how to look at the big picture. I think as a young person, you're so insecure all the time. Mm -hmm. You're so worried about what other people think. And then to talk to like a 50 plus year old man who really had started to understand that who cares what anybody thinks. Mm -hmm. um, he really put that perspective in my head early, which allowed me to express myself in my own way and kind of take the losses or the people that didn't understand my language, um, you know, with a grain of salt. So that's that's honestly one of one of the big ones for me. Um, but it, it continues like tons of, I mean, I know even nappy tabs, uh, I used to assist them a lot. And I remember even Napoleon uh, had called me out um, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's, it's actually, it's amazing because it was, it was so helpful. He probably won't even remember this, um, but it was so simple. Um, I was so excited to be helpful that as he was explaining something, I would try to finish his sentences. <laughs> and, and, and I, cause I was so, I was like, oh yeah, I have this idea for that. Right. Cause I, I just was way too, and I wasn't allowing him to speak. And he had, he just right away brought up, he's like, you remind me a lot of myself when I was younger. I just want you to know, like, you have to let me finish the, the, the question. And, and he broke it down for me. And most people won't do that. Yeah. They'll just like in private be like, that annoyed me. Um, yeah, totally. but, but he told me and I held on to it. And immediately after that, I had, I had like, I just fixed, I fixed the issue and I, yeah. and it was, it was beautiful. And I was so grateful for that. And I'm still grateful for that. And, um, there is just a series of mentors like that that were willing to tell me the hard thing, um, which is actually why I, even in my classes today, I am, I'm big on making my students uncomfortable um, because there's nothing that's been more valuable to me. Um, so, so, well, like yeah. how, so how do, do you I make, make your students uncomfortable? Um, mostly in a, I honestly, I amp up the complexity on, on purpose to see them struggle through it. Obviously I take them there by the end of the class to make sure that they get there. But um, where most teachers will allow, um, like they'll like water down the choreography whenever they see okay. them struggling, I'd rather teach you one eight count of something really hard to see you really struggle with it rather than water it down and give you eight counts of stuff right. like that you can do easily. Um, and say so even philosophically and things like that, I try to really like test and kind of say what's uh, counterintuitive to what they already know about dance just to see them have to adapt to a new philosophy or a new type of movement. Um, and I, yeah, I just kind of learned to like watching. It's actually one of the most beautiful things for me is to watch somebody struggle and slowly piece together a new reality where they can do the thing they thought they couldn't do. Um, I so. love that. What's funny is you're talking about this, I'm thinking about like this, this thing that you've been doing recently by collaborating with people and mm -hmm. doing this certain style of movement that's very unique to who you are. And I'm just, as you're talking, I'm just imagining that you get in a room with somebody. I imagine the first hour of it is really hard for that other person. Yeah. They don't know where you're going with this. But what we see, what you post, is like the finished product. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is actually, I always feel a little bit bad about um, about how simple it seems at the end when we release. <laughs> like I, I want to release a series of videos that lets people know how much people struggle to punch like in the, the face. Like the bloopers. Yeah. Like the, the, the sure. they're like just falling like all over the place. Um, because it, it does, it does, it's, it, a lot of people struggle and it's, and actually the, the funny part is I struggle. I usually create them in my head um, and I don't even know how to do them that well. So we're really learning it together, uh, figuring Creating out. Creating them in your head is hard because that's so physical that I'm, I'm, I bet like 
75 percent of it is not what you think it is yeah 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 exactly i mean you, there's definitely an adaptation factor whenever you actually get in the room and you realize oh, oh okay wait wait physically we might be able to not be able to do this um but but for the most part i think that was that's always been the fun thing is that um we're all struggling together so that's that's fun with those partnerships what about like this your where you're at right now in your career and as a creative and performer and what is the most uncomfortable for you now that so, causes the uh, most discomfort so for me and I, as an artist i think and i think a couple other people would agree the most uncomfortable part about being an artist right now is walking the line um where one side you can fully express yourself but no one will care or understand you and on the other side, you can do exactly what's already been done, and everyone will appreciate it. But you would not have—you'd uh, be unimportant. Wow. So it's like, uh, do I go the route where everyone understands what I'm saying, but nothing that I'm saying means anything or is needed, or do I go the other route where I say everything that I believe the world needs, but no one will understand it? Uh, <laughs> and uh, that line is is a very uncomfortable line when you fall on either side of it. When you get it right in the middle, you're like, yes. Yeah. I did it. I added something to the world that was uh, worthy of being done or created. Um, but that for me, that, that game of trying to balance is definitely one of the more uncomfortable parts of being an artist to me right now. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever struggle with ego? I think every artist does because I think um, the, the thing that helped me though, because I think we think that we are the discovery um, that we're making. And I think that's what confuses. We associate our identity with the thing we're discovering. The truth is I, I am, I understand that the thing that I want to bring to the world, the thing that I found, this piece of truth that I'm like, oh, I think the world doesn't have this. I'm going to give it to them. Uh, has nothing to do with me. I just happen to be the one that spotted it. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as I keep that perspective, it keeps my ego in check. I think when I was younger, it was much easier. Like every time I figured out an idea that no one had thought of, or I had created something I knew was like, special um i had associated with myself so that's why i think artists have these ups and downs where like i didn't find anything today i'm the worst human alive or i found something today all of a sudden i'm the greatest human uh -huh. alive and i think most artists will go through this up and down and i found a way to keep it in check by um just letting myself know that that discovery was available to anyone i just happened to have stumbled upon it so more so focusing on that thing so. I'm just curious, do you do meditation or do you do anything like a daily ritual that keeps you in check in any way? I, I actually love meditation. I wouldn't say I do a daily meditation. I probably should. I mean, when we go to yoga, that's probably like the, <laughs> the, the, best, yeah, the, the best situation um, that I have. But I think I spend a lot of time um, doing cleaning in my head, if that makes sense. Like I yeah. make sure to keep things as tidy as I can. So if I notice something bothering me, I spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about it so that I can make sure I get it out of the way instead of pushing it to the side. That would be the only exercise I do daily that I think really I benefit from is that if there's a problem, I handle it immediately. Like whether like if I have to just zone out and solve it mm -hmm. right right in that moment, I will. Um, but once you solve it, is, is it done or do you mean It's it? done for now. Like it, 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 I've, I've come to a conclusion that feels well-rounded and it includes all of the truth that I know. And then if I confront another problem, I will do that all over again. And I do that in the moment rather than waiting for it to flare up again or flare up worse. Um, if I have this like negative thought or something that I don't think is valuable or helpful, I immediately attack it. Um, what if it's in a relationship? Do you, like, it's actually the same thing. Uh -huh. Yeah, like even with Mackenzie, um, we have all our problems immediately. Yeah. Um, 
and there's not really many problems because we handle it that way. Because uh, everything, even if it's really, really small, um, we'll have a whole conversation about it. They're like, okay, well, what, like, what's the root of that thought in the first place? Uh, what do you think you need in your life? Like, what need is is missing or dwindling so that we can feed that need, which then would solve all these other petty problems mm -hmm. that are in front of it. Um, and it's great because we solve it when it's that small, so we never yeah. feel animosity towards each other because we're never confused by each other. Mm -hmm. The we're constantly up to date on who we we're becoming, so it becomes easier to handle. I think. Wow, that is so. And this is the reason why a lot of relationships don't stay, right. in my opinion, because the whole thing you just said about who you're becoming. That I think people forget that you grow as you get older. Not yeah. all relationships stay the same. You know, you, yeah. you, they, they move, they change. Yeah. That, is, that is a huge misconception. And I don't think I even had a good grip on it until Either. this relationship. Because I think all of my past ones, I think I I still like subscribe to the idea that we are one person. And once you understand that person, things become simpler. But it's not actually like that. Mm -hmm. I think you are re-falling in love with the person mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. uh, people always say you choose to. It, you do choose, but you're actually re-meeting them. Mm -hmm. So I think you almost have to be able to let certain parts oh, yeah. of them go as you add new parts and still be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I, again, once that, that came into play, it became much easier. And that's why I've never been happier relationship-wise. So totally makes sense. So the, do you use that approach, like how you said you appreciated so much Napoleon mm -hmm. saying what he said to you? Do you then use that mindset and approach with people in your life or students or just yeah. vocalizing I, I am I am as honest as I can be yeah. I, I mean obviously I try to position my statements in a way that's not going to be yeah. <laughs> just brutal <laughs> yeah yeah but but actually but even but Napoleon's wasn't I mean he was no. very kind about it too but I think it's just being honest and um, that is another thing especially in LA that I yeah. think um, people in this city tend to be scared of. They're really scared of honesty mm -hmm. um, because people think honesty equals uh, rude mm -hmm. um, or um, really the, the, the toxic yeah. thing. I mean, a lot of people will, will paint a person as toxic because they're being honest. Now, some people really are yeah. um, bringing you down and I think those are parts of your environment you can let go, but just dissenting from your opinion is not a bad thing. Um, so I definitely support doing that. You know, it's funny, I, I think for me, like, ego is one of my biggest problems. Because I know one of the things that when I'm faced with, like, the failure or discomfort, I know that, that my ego can mask the, the ability, what you're saying about, to look at it as an opportunity or to be grateful. Mm -hmm. It takes me a while to get there because I know that my knee jerk is, no, it's not my fault, it's their fault, I hate you. I go into a you know, defense mode. But if I were to actually look back and I think, you know, that's actually my ego talking. And if you can let go of that long mm -hmm. enough to go, you know, is there something to learn from this? Yeah. Honestly, honestly, if you spin it into power, yeah. then it could even, like, you can trick the ego into thinking it's benefiting. Or at yeah. least that's what I found. So what I thought is like, yeah, okay, I totally so if there's like a discrepancy between me and somebody, I don't gain anything by them realizing they're wrong. But if I realize wow. I did something wrong, I have power now that I can take into my next relationship or I can take into my next situation. Yeah. So if I think of it even as tricking the ego into thinking that they're getting the power, you can also convince yourself to take advantage of the moment and be like, I'm going to figure out all the ways that I did things wrong so that I can have more power mm -hmm. in the world next. Um, and sometimes that little spin can help basically trick your ego yeah. into like stepping aside and being like, oh yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah, yeah, take the power, take the power. But really what you're doing is you're analyzing your own flaws. You so. know, I, that is, to me is so, so key. Something happened to me recently, 
couple months ago where I was, something happened and I was really upset. And I remember Jamie King, who's such a great like person, uh, like he's actually a mentor actually, the, the advice that he gives me, he called me and he's like, look, I totally understand everything that you're saying. He said, but have you thought about what you did what your participation is, what you did wrong. I was like, fuck, what are you talking about? My, my first thing was, like, did you just hear what I said? What just happened? But I did go home and I thought about it. And I, because he's such an important person in my life, I actually did take action in there and then spent the next couple of days like really looking at it. And mm -hmm. just to what you said, I became so much more powerful from me realizing mm -hmm. how I participated in what had happened. And I thought, wow, that I'm so grateful that it happened because it gave me an opportunity to look at what I did and I don't know if I've ever actually had that yeah. <laughs> that it's transformation beautiful. but it's because yeah. of and then and then Jamie sent me something else which is I love this he sent me a little quote and it said that your future is your past uncorrected yeah and what it, what yeah. it was really speaking to okay. is that if you don't pay attention to what you did you're really not going to be able to know how to move forward in the future and you're going to have the same problems happening mm -hmm. yeah. over yeah. so you really yeah. need to fix what you did in order to understand how to move forward in the future yeah. and I don't think any of this would have happened to me if I didn't have these these yeah. this situation that happened and I'm just and now looking back I'm so grateful that I was able to listen to what he said and to change yeah. my approach to it you it's know? really awesome. you have to retrain how you think like mm -hmm. it takes a lot of work on someone's behalf so really like yeah. be able to take your yourself there mentally when situations like that happen and it is like a daily exercise yeah, you kind of have is. to get in a rhythm of like mm -hmm. reminding yourself to kind of think about these things mm -hmm. you, to that point you know it's a good exercise too is that when i did study meditation for a while and what i loved the one takeaway i had from it was that they would say that meditation isn't being in the state of just peace your meditation is actually reminding yourself that you, your mind drifted and bringing it back to the, yeah. to the moment. And that yeah. was so great to hear that because I always thought meditate that I was doing it wrong. Mm. It's like, no, it's actually your realization that you've gone off track and you bring it back. That's the meditation. Mm. And I love that explanation because I thought, because that's all I do. <laughs> all, my yeah. mind is always drifting off and I'm always yeah. bringing it back. But if I wasn't told that, then I would just be think I would think I failed at meditation. Yeah, anymore. yeah, yeah. But I really encourage it now and I love to be able at the end of the 20 minutes, even if I'm thinking stuff the whole time, I can go out of it going, okay, today was me thinking. Yes. <laughs> Tomorrow I can try it again. Yes. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. you have to give yourself yeah. like a reset yeah. button. You know? but, and that's why I love like all these mentors, like you said, even with Jamie, you kind of have to have these people in your life that are going to say those things mm -hmm. to you because mm -hmm. I also think yeah. if people knew better, they do better. Yeah. And sometimes you, you don't even know like your own traits that you might do or things that you might say until someone kind of brings it to your attention yeah. and it's only in yeah. at those moments that then you can even grow because yeah. if you don't even know that you're doing something yeah. or you know i was recently with someone at dinner and i was like this person is by nature very negative like everything that mm. they're focusing on is in the negative yeah. and like look at all this amazing stuff that's around we i think we're at the grove and i was like there's Christmas tree lights everywhere, and it's mm. so happy, and it's snow fake snowing in LA, and it was, all the focus <laughs> was very negative. Uh -huh. And so, just in this conversation, and I thought about it after, I was like, I feel like I should maybe say something, like it's, bring it to their attention. And I was, and I was actually just I don't gonna, think they know that yeah, they're doing that. I think the tough part is that not everyone is. That's the tough part about projecting out, which yeah. like being being you know the Jamie King or the Napoleon. That is tricky because. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you can't guarantee they're going to absorb anything. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and, like, there's a good chance they'll completely deflect it. And that, I think, is, is the really the bravery of it. Because then by doing, oh, yeah. by making that statement, you're risking polarizing mm -hmm. that person from yourself. 
um, to help them. Yeah. Uh, or at least what you think helps them. And that's the other thing. And then there's the all, always this situation where someone tries to help and their help actually isn't helpful. Right. Um, so so it's, a, it's a very nuanced, there's a lot of nuanced perspectives. Yes. And that's why I always felt like uh, checking yourself is the one thing that you can 100% guarantee is helpful. Where like checking mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. is That's a little a really tricky. Good point. Yeah. Um, because you can guarantee that if you improve something in your own scope of things, then you've improved something. But with someone else, you actually don't know if your perspective is better than theirs. Sure. Um, it's only there is some situations where you're like, okay, I'm more experienced. Like in Napoleon's situation, he's like, I'm much older. I understand how this works. I've also been in your situation. Mm-hmm. Let me give you this tidbit of information. He also knew that I really respected him, which I think is the same with Jamie King, probably with mm-hmm. you too. I think mm-hmm. when you really respect someone you're giving them the floor to disagree with you, mm-hmm. yeah. which, which I think is the other thing too. It's, it's harder among peers, I realized. Mm-hmm. Like if you have someone that like did something that you really respect, even if they are peers, mm-hmm. I feel like then, then it makes it a little easier yeah. to take the advice. Oh yeah, yeah I mean, like, you take it in a lot more if it's someone that you look yeah. up to and respect. Which is sad because truthfully, the, your, your normal friend might be, yeah. might have the best advice for you, but sometimes yeah. we don't take it. I just know a few years ago I started saying out loud like I like to be proven wrong and I and I, and I believe that like there's several things for the past 10 years I can think of yeah. that I was wrong but it's I, and I love the fact that I can look back and go oh I was wrong there like it's, yeah. it's actually really good to acknowledge yeah. those kind of things yeah. you know yeah, it feels good to grow in general yeah. I think that's our favorite thing to do I mean yeah that's the opposite of our descent yeah. into death <laughs> yeah. right so like if you're growing you have 100% you're sure you're not going the other way yeah so, so it's good well, point. yeah, and with this whole conversation, I mean, I do think that, like, most growth happens in situations that are uncomfortable, and you have to take yourself outside of your comfort zone in order to really, like, learn and grow, and, I mean, that's kind of, like, the preface, I guess, of this conversation as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I have one more question. Sure. What book are you reading now? Oh, um, oh, man. I say that because when I saw you at Soho a couple of weeks ago, you are reading this giant book oh, about right. the origins of cancer. You yeah. want to study, like, oh, wow. where it comes from, where, like, all of that. I yeah, was- so I just finished that book, which was incredible. Um, so right now I'm reading, um, oh, man, it sounds so, it's, so it's called The Handbook of Attention. Uh, it's literally a thousand two hundred pages, and, <laughs> and it's every uh, scientific study that was done on the, on attention. Um, mostly because I'm, I'm writing this book right now about um, my strategy for navigating the mind and wow it's just information it's this yeah. information that I just I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm prepared to give this advice properly so uh, so I'm reading this just giant and I, I don't know what led me here but now I'm <laughs> like I think it started with like smaller books and now the books just keep getting bigger and it's it, yeah it's terrifying um, how long does it take you to finish that uh, I think, like, a couple of years ago, it would have taken me a lot longer. I think now I've worked myself incrementally where I can I can read a good chunk at a time. I mean, I think hopefully in, by, you know, mid-January I'll finish ah. it. It's, it's, it's pretty dense, obviously, because it's scientific stuff. Yeah, that but. must be so hard. To, like, uh. <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, it, it can be grueling because they uh, they abbreviate everything. So oh, you'll, yeah. you'll have one word, and then if you miss that one word, now it's now it's oh. now like CE or DEF or whatever. Like they're speaking in code, so you have to really pay attention from the beginning to make sure that you understand everything that's happening. Yeah. So that that part's a little tricky. Do you just read one book at a time, or do you have several ones? I read one. I actually have been thinking about splitting fiction and nonfiction. Yeah. I mm-hmm. have been reading nonfiction for over a year and a half now, and I've I miss fiction so much. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm going to start returning to fiction because um, 
I just need that escape. You kind of need both, you know? I think yeah. having one of each is great. I think I, yeah. I did it for some reason. I thought it would distract. They don't. I just need to have a, another book to read. Yeah. Yeah. As long as sense. the fiction doesn't bleed into the nonfiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, all of a sudden, yeah, I'm, I'm writing about, like, fairies and, and magic and things like yeah. that somehow. Yeah. Well, we want to read your book when it's done. I definitely want to sure. read your book when it's done. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Let us know where we can write. I will, I okay. will. Well, listen, you guys, our, our time is just about up. Phil, I knew this was going to be like yeah. such an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. I just want to just ask one more thing. Is there anything, since we're at the end of the year, that you're really excited about this next year in particular that's standing out in your mind right now? Um, okay, so things that I'm excited about. Um, uh, realistically, it's this book. Uh, for my, on my personal, uh, there's different levels of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, for 2020, I'm really excited because I think I'll be able to finish the book in 2020, which is something I've been working on for like three years now. Wow. Um, so for me, that's, it's honestly on a personal level. There's nothing that I've ever done that's been as hard as writing this tome of a book. Um, so I'm just really grateful for that. Um, yeah, so I think I would say that for now. Right on, good. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Philip, it's really a pleasure Absolutely. talking to you today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, it's Tony Selzig. And Megan Hunt. The Hollywood Dance Project. No, Hollywood Dance Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>